0: Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of The Views from the 573 Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well on this Thursday afternoon. We got a lot to talk about here in the world of sports since we last talked. A couple NBA things that we need to discuss, including one that's been taking over the news cycle here in the last 24 or so hours. So we'll talk about that here. We said we do an MLB update this week so that's what we are going to be doing after that is looking at where things stand right now with only a few games left and with only a couple weeks left in the season as i believe the season is over in early october so we'll talk about where things stand here with a couple more weeks to go a couple of playoff spots being clinched but a couple of deciding factors as to who's going to be seated seated where so we got that and also our coverage of what's going on in football and in the NFL as week twos in the books and week threes in the books for college football. And as we head on to the next weeks of those sports, we'll talk about those some big games coming up in both sports. So with that being said, let's move on into the show. Let's talk about what's going on in the NBA real quick. Not a lot of fun stuff with the NBA. Uh, We'll get this part out, is that there's a possibility now that there could be a change to the age limit to the NBA with the next CBA. And this has been a topic we've talked about here on previous pods, uh, dating back all the way to the... CMO days when we were taping the pod up at Cape, where there's a possibility of the age limit getting lowered, and when was that going to happen, and stuff with the g league well, now it looks like we might be at a turning point where the age limit might actually be lowered to eighteen, in which case you would have high schoolers being able to make the jump to the league without having to go to college for a year or As of recent, seeing guys go to the G League and take that route and then getting drafted. So that way they have a a year into what professional life is like. So it looks like that might be on the horizon after all these years. So that is something to watch indeed with the next CBA. But the NBA making a change I think that a lot of people have been wanting to make for sometime in lowering the age limit. So it looks like that might be happening on the next CBA. And now let's get to a couple other pieces of news with the NBA. Is, of course, we talked about last week, a uh, Sun's owner, Robert Sarver, getting handed a year-long suspension, a big fine with his conduct as a son's owner. His misconduct, as I should say. And now, a week later, he is looking into selling the team, selling the Suns, and selling the Mercury. And boy, how much can change it in about a week. And now it looks like we have some potential people looking into buying the Suns. And it looks like the Suns are a pretty valuable team. That certain guys would want to go and become the new owner of and pay all this money for. So, Sarver is out, and looks like everybody is probably going to be happy about that. That you got this owner out of here, and that you're going to have somebody new in place. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, we, as we talked about last night, were wanting him out anyway. So, now so now looks like he's going to be gone and you're going to have somebody new taking his place and let's take a look at the list as being reported of potential owners for the phoenix suns there are a couple big names on there you saw larry ellison uh, bob iger has been one of them Bezos, I think, has been mentioned as a potential owner for him. So the Suns have no shortage of suitors to buy the team. So Server is going to be out. The downside is he's he's going to be paid a bunch of money to sell the team. So you have that going for you. But if you're an NBA fan, Suns owner, you if you're an NBA fan or a fan of the Suns. You're happy that this is somewhat getting resolved here pretty easily, that there's no, not not going to be any type of maneuvers by Sarver to say, screw this, I'm keeping the team. It looks like he's giving it up and saying, fine. So I think we're all happy that this is happening, that Sarver's going to be done, he's going to sell the team. We're not happy he's going to get paid a bunch of money to sell it, but happy that somebody else is going to be coming in to the fold and really getting a big shot in the arm to the Suns franchise and make it someplace that could be desirable for free agents, for stars who may want out. Because we know that situation happens almost every year in the the NBA. So having somebody new couldn't give this franchise a boost. It's really seen its stock rise up in the last couple years, uh, getting Chris Paul to come there, making the NBA Finals, uh, looking really good do, while doing it, they, they've seen their stock rise up in the last couple years, and now you're going to get new owner in place, uh, again, somebody hopefully that could give this franchise a shot in the arm and really make it a destination type of place to go to where you got Devin Booker in place for a while. He's still young. DeAndre Ayton, he's still got CP3 there, even though he's getting up there in years. Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, he's still got a lot of nice young pieces there that could be around that franchise for a long time. So there's a lot of desirable stuff there with the Suns franchise. So again, maybe getting an owner there like Larry Ellison... Bob Iger, Bezos, or somebody else. Maybe somebody that's not even on a preliminary list of potential people that could buy the team that could, you know, give this franchise what it needs, make it a desirable place where free agents will want to come there and play with those guys and where you'll have potential stars look at that and say, hey, I want to go and play there because, a) it's a good destination and you got all these other young stars that are there so that's happening with the suns right now and we got something else going on in the nba before we head to the mlb with the boston celtics and of course that's some it's been something as we said at the top that's been really dominating the news cycle is the ime udoka situation that's been going on we got a weird tweet from Woj that said that Yudoko, there could be something there, he could possibly be suspended for something, and we didn't know at the time what it was when he initially tweeted out. It was just very vague. And we later found out it was, with, it was because of an intimate, consensual relationship with a Celtics female staffer. And we do not know who it is, and that's been something that's been taking the discourse of the day is figuring out who it is. In which, do, do we really need to try to figure it out? That that's probably not the top of the list as to trying to, as far as the situation is concerned. That shouldn't be at the top of our list uh, because there's a lot of different stuff going on here that are more important than that fact. But that's come out here in the last few hours, and over the day, you've had a lot of coverage, a lot of talk about it, and it's been a really weird situation to see how the news cycle has covered it, from it leaking out, to the coverage that we've gotten today, you know, to the rampant speculation about what actually happened, who is involved in this, who is the Celtics female staffer. And, you know, if you're, if you're one of those speculating and putting possible people out there that you do could have had this relationship with, that's speculation that could end up hurting their reputation. So you got all that stuff adding up. It, it's very tough. No other way around it. And then you got others that are asking, hey, could this have been leaked by somebody potentially in the organization? Or you got stuff like that. So I think, you know, we don't have all the facts for certain. The only things we do know is that Yudoka was involved, a female staffer from the Celtics was involved, said that they had an intimate, consensual relationship, and that Yudoka... Is possibly, he possibly could be suspended for the entirety of next season. There's also a couple reports out there that he may look into resigning, but I don't know how how true that is. But I think without getting the details, I mean, it's just a bad situation overall with the coverage that it's getting. And so I think we'll just talk, uh, we're talking about here now briefly. And I think once we know some details, some rock solid details about all this stuff, I think we'll probably leave some of that maybe for next week. But this has been happening in the last 24 hours in the news cycle and the coverage on it from talk shows on TV to radio to people on Twitter to Bloggers, you know stuff like that. It's been interesting to see them talk about it in the way that they have, and see what where they're right in that, where they're wrong in this. So I think until we know exactly what happened, I think let's just give it a week, see if we know any more rock solid details about it. Because again, this has only been something that's happened in the last several hours, so. We know very little to be precise we I mean we didn't even know exactly what the Celtics were looking into Udoka for, but I will say if it is very interesting if it was leaked that if it was leaked by somebody in the Celtics, and I mean that's not an entirely good look, and so like this has been dominating the news coverage pretty much all day. And you got other stuff in in the sports world going on with, you know, Favre, and you got a couple other stuff going on with Sarver, going back to that. So you just have all this stuff going on uh, that, you know, that maybe not is getting the coverage that it needs to, but you got this situation, and it's just been really a, a, a tough situation. To kind of talk about. To kind of gauge. Get some specific thoughts about. Because we don't know, again, a lot of details about it. But here it is. It's out there. So we'll wait a week and see if we know anything more. By this time next week. And uh, if we do. If we know anything more that's r- really solid details. That w- w- that w- we have more knowledge this time next week than we do now, then we'll talk about it. But, uh, in the meantime, this is it. This is a story. And we'll see what develops out of this. See if Yudoka is suspended for a full year. And, uh, see you know, the consequences of, or the aftermath, to use a better word, uh, of all this stuff, of the coverage, and, uh, what Yudoka did, and seeing all that stuff take place in the next several days so to move on from the NBA let's move on to baseball and see where we're at on September 22nd where we only got a few days left of regular season play we got playoff spots clinched division titles clinched and we still got some seeding stuff to figure out. So let's take a look at where things are going. Let's start in the American League this time and uh, see where things are there. In the AO East, you got the Yankees on top with uh, Aaron Judge just having a phenomenal season, getting 60 home runs, just one homer shy of Roger Maris's record of breaking it. And that's a big accomplishment right there. Something we haven't do haven't seen in a long time as far as American League is concerned. Well, we have that going on with the Yankees, who are leading the division. You got the Blue Jays and Rays coming in behind them, and the Orioles slightly over 500. If you remember, they had a really good start to the first half of the season, and have kind of tailed off here. And then you got the Red Sox. Only four games below 500. So they're bringing up the rear in the AL East. As far as the NL Central, AL Central is concerned, you got the Cleveland Guardians at 82 and 67. And with still a few games left, they are not the certain division winners. As the White Sox, they're only six games back. You got the Twins third in that division, and you got the Royals and the Tigers who are both eliminated with well below 500 records. In the Tigers case, well below 400. <laughs> and then in the AL West, we know for certain that the Houston Astros are going to be in and they are going to win this division with a record right now of 99-51. and So, they're well on their way to being the top seed in the American League. The Mariners are still fighting for playoff positioning, but you got the Angels, Rangers, Athletics. They're all out. So, you got a lot of teams that are out right now, but you still got a lot of teams that could be making a push here. Right now, as far as the wildcard spots are concerned, the Blue Jays hold the top one, but you got the Rays really coming up on them with them only being two games back. And then you got the Mariners in that third spot with the Orioles four games back, the White Sox five and a half games back. And then there's a possibility for the Twins and the Red Sox, but I think there's, that's just too much ground. So right now it's the Blue Jays, Rays, Mariners, And you got a possibility of the Orioles uh, trying to fight their way in to the wildcard spots in the last few days of the season. Next up, you got the National League. And let's start out with the East. Both the Mets and the Braves have clinched, so they are for sure in. What we don't know is who is going to win this division. This division is only separated by a game with the Mets at 95 and 56 and the Braves at 93 and 56. But the Braves are back a game and there's still a whole lot of baseball left to be played. So we're still figuring out who is going to be the winner of the East as that is a very close race. But then you got the Phillies. They're trying to get into the postseason and it looks like they might have a good chance to get in. Marlins are eliminated, Nationals are eliminated. Let's move on to the Central. Cardinals right now at 87 and 63. They've been been a little bit slow here recently, losing their last 3 and being 5 and 5 in their last 10. But they are pretty sure fire right now, I think to win the Central. The Brewers right now are at 79 and 70. They're seven and a half games back. I don't know how much time do they have left to be able to do that. Cubs are eliminated. Reds are eliminated. And the Pirates are eliminated. So now let's move on to the West. Where the Dodgers are for sure going to win the West with a 103 and 46 record. Uh, 7 and 3 in their last 10. Astounding home and away record. Home record 51 and 20, and away record 52 and 26. So they are the top seed in the NL. And overall, they are pretty much the top team in all of baseball. And then you got the Padres coming behind them at 83 and 66, Giants at 72 and 77, Diamondbacks at 70 and 80. And the Rockies who are eliminated at 64 and 85. So notice I didn't say that teams like the Giants and Diamondbacks were were eliminated as they are still in play to somehow get a wild card spot. But I mean, it's all going to be for not, you might as well just have an E next to their name for eliminated right now. The Braves hold the wild card spot, but again, that could change depending on how the Mets and Braves play these next few games before the season's done. So right now, the Braves hold that spot, but it could very well be the Mets here in the next couple days that hold that spot. Uh, Padres, they are in 83-66 and 66. again. They're probably going to be that second team. And the Phillies right now hold that final spot at 81-67. and 67. The Brewers are only two and a half games back. I think those that's the only kind of team to watch here. I don't think the Giants, Diamondbacks, I think they're done. Just too much ground to make up. So, for the National League wild card, you still got to figure out who's going to be that top wild card. Is it going to be the Mets or Braves? Uh, Padres, I think, are going to be in this for sure. And Phillies and Brewers. Can the Brewers make up some ground here? with the two and a half games back and uh, catch the Phillies? Or can the Phillies hold serve here and get into the playoffs and be that third NL East team to get in? Which is uh, very possible. So that's where the wild card stuff looks like it's going to be right now. And I think if we had to say who are going to be seeds right now in... Both leagues, I think American League, Astros are number one. Yankees are number two. Guardians are number three. I believe this is how it goes with them winning this division, that they would be third. But if not, they'll probably, well, yeah, they would be third. So, Guardians would be third. Then you got the Blue Jays uh coming in there as one of the wild card spots. Then you got the Rays. And then as of right now, the Mariners are right there. So those would be your teams right there to get into the playoffs. And uh looking at the NL, it would be Dodgers one and Mets two, Cardinals three, then you got the Braves coming in there at four. Padres 5 and Phillies 6 so those would be your seeds in the NL and uh, again we only we have a few games left but a lot can take place in those few games where you could see the Mets and Braves flip-flopped with the Braves winning the division the Mets in the wild card spot with the Phillies could the Brewers make a run there Who's it's going to be the Blue Jays or Rays who are going to who are going to have that top wild card spot in the American League? Still a lot to figure out, but I think we pretty much know who are going to be your top three seeds in the American League, and we know who the top three seeds in the National League are. It for sure we know well four with the Mets and Braves, but I think we feel pretty good about the Cardinals winning the Central and the Dodgers definitely wing the west so we know those two and we know there's going to be a really good team in the nl east that's going to win that division but uh, we still don't know who it is but uh, that's where things stand right now as far as baseball is concerned with the playoffs with seedings with the wild card so that's where we are with only a few games left a couple weeks left of the season and uh as we're getting closer to the postseason as uh every MLB fan is looking forward to casual fans are looking forward to and uh, getting some playoff baseball so that's where things are with baseball now let's move on to college football and let's talk about week number three and if I'm being perfectly honest I was expecting a lot more for week three maybe I was expecting a little bit too much but uh, week three kind of a dud with the games that you could watch that were on the slate and just taking a look at them i mean we know oklahoma nebraska that was going to be one of them um big noon kickoff was at nebraska you had a couple people pick nebraska because you know you know fire coach maybe there's a spark there and nebraska started off good they got off with the score first one on the board and then after that, just nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing until the fourth quarter where Oklahoma was at was having their second and third stringers play and uh it ended up being 49 to 14 for Oklahoma uh, but as far as the games we picked uh, let's take a look at them uh, I will say this in picking the games doing far better in college football than I am in the NFL way better it's night and day difference uh, so let's take a look at week three. Uh, week three, we start off with our Florida State LS, uh, LSU. We already had that Florida State at Louisville matchup on Friday night, and a really exciting game between two ACC foes, where Jordan Travis got a little bit nicked up here, but that didn't mean Florida State didn't win. They go on to win three and zero one no conference record knocking off Louisville at their place 35 to 31 scoring 14 points in that fourth quarter and so the Seminoles start off 3 and 0 uh, and I think this is probably something that they that program really has needed for a long time they've been in a bad place and so starting off 3 and 0 here in this young season That's got to be a big boost for their program. So Florida State wins that matchup. Next up, you had Georgia at South Carolina. Just, again, another matchup. I think you maybe expect a little bit more competition from South Carolina, but maybe this is a testament to how good Georgia is as their offense is rolling. Stetson Bennett is not missing a beat at quarterback there. Brock Bowers is one of the best weapons in the whole country. That defense is not missing a beat either. And they just stomped South Carolina 48-7 to at their place. It was not a game at all. And so Georgia, they start off 3-0 here as well. But uh, that team is looking like it's not missing a beat. Could it potentially be even better than last year's team? Maybe. That those conversations are being had, but uh, right now they're looking really good. They they are looking like the best team in the SEC, the best team in the whole country. But uh, Georgia gets a win there. Next game we picked Oklahoma, Nebraska. Oklahoma won that one. Then the next game we picked BYU and Oregon. We had a ranked matchup here. I thought was going to be a little bit more competitive. BYU. Well, ranked 12th at the time. Oregon rising back up into the rankings at 25. Thought it was going to be a fun matchup here on the West Coast. And I thought wrong, as uh, that was not the case, where you ended up having Oregon just completely throttling BYU. 41-20, to 20. it was not even close. In the first half, it was 24-7 to 7, Oregon. And really, once that once the third quarter happened, once the second half got kicked off, uh, Oregon was not letting up. They scored 14 points in the third quarter to really get it, get it to a wide margin. Where's 38 to to seven, and, or- and Oregon only scored three points in the fourth quarter. And BYU scoring 13 to at least get the double digits and to get the 20. But uh. Really good day from Bo Nix, 13 of 18, 222, and two touchdowns. Not a bad day for the BYU quarterback in Jaron Hall, but Oregon just ended up having the way better team on Saturday and knocking off BYU and seeing themselves rise up into the rankings after that horrible first week against Georgia. And maybe we judge Oregon a little bit too harshly there that they were just facing a Georgia team That might be looking better than their national championship team from a year ago. So maybe we judged them a little bit too harshly there. But they get the win. And uh, beat BYU. Ole Miss at Georgia Tech. Uh, I didn't know quite what to expect this game. We talked about last week. I expected Georgia Tech. You know, they were in it with Clemson for a while in their first game. Of course, ended up losing that game pretty badly. But... I expect them to give Ole Miss a little bit of competition there and eventually lose but uh, it just looked like no the Georgia Tech was not ready for this Ole Miss beating Georgia Tech shutting them out at home 42 to 0 just a, a bad day for Georgia Tech and Ole Miss defense looking really good those are always the questions with Ole Miss But the defense was looking really good. Zach Evans had a great day for Ole Miss. He got 18 carries, 134 yards, two touchdowns. And it was a 21-point game at the end of the first half. And then Ole Miss scored that 21 to really put the game away in the third quarter and completed the shutout. So Ole Miss goes to an ACC team and shuts them out. Next up, we got Penn State at Auburn. Kind of a shocker here with how well Penn State won in this ballgame. I don't even think Peter would have thought this would have happened. Uh, Not with with James Franklin at the helm. Not with Sean Clifford at the helm. But uh, it happened. And Penn State just completely overwhelmed Auburn at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And just had an awesome rushing attack against the sovereign defense, and was able to create some pressure on defense, having a lot of really young, talented players on that defense. We've talked about it when we previewed them all the way back when, and the early days of August and, and July, when we did the Big 10. They had some young pieces on that defense, and you were wondering what they you were gonna get out of them, and they have done really well so far and then he had a couple of freshman running backs, like Nick Singleton, that have really come in and have exploded onto the scene and really ran rampant on that Tigers defense uh, for 124 yards. As a, He's had really good back-to-back weeks here for Penn State. So maybe you've got something here with this freshman running back. Ten carries he did that on. Two touchdowns. So just a really good performance. They really put this game away in the third in the third quarter where it was 14 to 6. But then Penn State scored 17 in that third quarter making it 31 to 6 and Auburn just having no answer to Penn State and to either side of the ball. So, props to Penn State for going into Auburn SEC Country. And blowing Auburn out at their place. So props to Penn State. You won't hear me say that often. You won't hear Peter say that often. But they go on the road and beat this Auburn team. I mean, again, we don't know how good this Auburn team is. I mean, they could be one of those teams that fire their coach and fire Harzen down the road. But a good win by Penn State. Really dominating performance. Uh, Mississippi State at LSU was really an entertaining game for the most part until LSU really started to pull away and beat Mississippi State thirty one to sixteen with Will Rogers not having one of his better days twenty four forty two, two fourteen through the air, one touchdown and one pick. Just as LSU team came to play, especially in that fourth quarter where it was a tight game. And the score, if I remember right, it was 16-10. to So it was a six-point game in Mississippi State's favor. But LSU in that fourth quarter, something clicked. And they shut out Mississippi State 21-0 to in that fourth quarter, sealing the victory and getting a really good win here. Over Mike Leach's program, and so LSU they move on to two and one in the Brian Kelly era, and a really solid win there against Mississippi State. Michigan State at Washington. Now with this one, I picked sporty, and maybe that was a little bit. This was a little bit of a trap game. I, uh, the Boers. The coach that came over from Snow State has had a lot of success. We talked about it in our Pac-12 preview. He had a lot of success at previous stops, and that to not undersell type of success he could have early on at Washington, and we're kind of right with Washington beating Michigan State, 39 to 28, and. It was a Washington was blowing them out in the first half. It was twenty nine to eight, and then really Michigan State really started to try to make a comeback there and scored fourteen points in the fourth quarter, but they only cut the deficit down to eleven. But prompts to Washington and DeBoer for getting this team ready to go against the number eleven team in the country, Big Ten team team that was really good last year, Michael Penix Jr., who was in the Big Ten, had himself a game, a 24-40, nearly 400 yards passing, 397 to be exact, and four touchdowns, so he looked really good on Saturday against this team from East Lansing, and Washington gets a big time upset there. Texas San Antonio at Texas. Texas coming off an emotional loss last week, the week prior, to Alabama. Has Texas San Antonio coming to their stadium. And for a minute there, Texas San Antonio was hanging with them. Uh, It was 17-17 at halftime. But then Texas really took over. Held the Roadrunners only three points in that second half. And putting up 24 points in the second half themselves, and win 41 to 20, moving to two and one. And supposedly Quinn Ewers is going to travel for the, their game this week, so maybe you got some good news on that front. Texas gets a win there. Then our final game, uh, Miami at Texas A&M, probably the better game that we, the the best game that we picked. Uh, on the slate last week. And Texas A&M, I think we talked about how much these teams needed this. Texas A&M definitely need this after what happened against Appalachian State the week before. Which was just a debacle on their part. And letting it come to that. And if you like the offense... This was not the game for you. Uh, it was a rough one. AM up 10 3 in that first half. And Miami just couldn't get anything in the end zone. They just couldn't. They just couldn't put up any points. And guys like Anaya Smith, font A. Chain for AM were big time in A&M's offense, making some big plays. And really, those were the only two guys making plays on that offense of A&M's. But A&M, they get the victory that they needed. Miami, just not a good look for them. Tyler Van Dyke struggled in this game. And just, really overall, the whole team did. And A&M moves to 2-1. and one, Went 17-9. to nine. Not your normal college football game that you would see, but... That was the score. So, in week three, went 6-4, and four, overall record at 24-33. and 33. The NFL record is not good. But we got a new week ahead in both college football and NFL. So, let's see if we can try to help ourselves here. Week number four. We're going to start off with a Big Ten matchup. And Maryland at Michigan. Michigan, not really having anybody to play in their early games, uh, really been a you know cakewalk for them, and they've not had to see anybody that that's like Maryland, who right now is putting up four hundred, nearly five hundred yards of total offense. Over 40 points per game. Um, Michigan right now looking really good. And McCarthy is going to be the starter. McNamara, he's going to be out a few weeks. So McCarthy is the unquestioned starter here. And so you're going to see a couple of young quarterbacks. And, and Talia Tungvaloa and J.J. McCarthy battled out here. Michigan right now, they're 17 point home favorites here we talked about Maryland that Maryland looks like they have an explosive offense I think this could be a really fun game but Michigan's defense even though they have played a couple of sorry teams is looking really good total yards allowed is well under 200 so they're looking really good so I'll take Michigan I'll take them I think this could be a fun Big Ten game with it being high scoring pretty early, but I think Michigan their defense settling in later on it really making a difference and winning the game for the Wolverines, so gimme Michigan next up ranked ACC matchup, we're getting into these conference matchups now here in week number 4 Clemson at Wake Forest a true road test for the Clemson Tigers, who right now are ranked 5th in the country. You can debate about whether they should be ranked 5th or not. And they are playing a Wake Forest team that right now is 3-0. and Has a really explosive offense. Points per game are about even between these two teams. And defenses are about the same here as far as yards allowed. And right now, Wake Forest is a seven-point underdog at home. With Clemson, of course, seeing seeing a um, a lot of people projecting them to win this game. I think this could be another scenario where Wake Forest gives Clemson a run for their money, but Clemson wins it. So I'll go with the Tigers here, but I think this will be a close battle between two ACC foes, two ranked ACC foes, I should add. And, but I got Clemson winning this one. I feel like that might be one I might regret by the time Saturday's over. So we'll have to see. Next up, Big Twelve matchup: Baylor at Iowa State. And right now, Baylor ranked 17th, Iowa State. Not at the moment. But right now, let's take a look at where this game lands. Baylor right now is a favorite in some regards. But right now, Iowa State is a small favorite at home. With uh, Baylor having a loss on the season, Iowa State right now 3-0. I'll take Baylor here. I'll take Baylor, but... I. I'm seeing a pattern here. I think this could be another close one where Baylor ends up winning a little bit later on in the game. But I think this could be a fun Big 12 contest between these two. And I think Baylor will hand Iowa State the first loss of 2022. Next up, the one I've been eagerly anticipating all week. And probably find myself to be a little bit more unproductive than I should be. Uh, Number 20, Florida. and number 11, Tennessee. Oh boy. Game day will be at Knoxville. Don't know who the guest picker is going to be. Nalen is going to be rocking from kickoff to the time. Zeros. Triple zeros hit the scoreboard at the end of the fourth quarter. And right now, uh, for Tennessee, as far as they're concerned, don't know if Cedric Tillman, the All-SEC wide receiver, is going to suit up in this game. After what happened in the Akron game last week, got a little bit banged up. I won't expand it to why he got a little bit banged up. But right now, they're they're looking at his status for the next couple of days. They still are figuring out how good is he to go for Saturday so we don't know that. So if that happens, Tennessee's wide receivers got to step up in making sure that nothing that they don't miss a beat on that offense. For Florida, you might be without Ventral Miller, your best linebacker. So that might not be good. And for Anthony Richardson, I think if you're a Florida fan, I think you're hoping that Anthony Richardson that you hope you were going to see appears in this game. And he's a little bit nicked up, too. I think if you're a Florida fan, you're hoping that you're seeing a different Anthony Richardson than you did in those first three games. And let me tell you what, right now, looking at the line, I am nervous. Maybe that's just with previous Florida games. That that might be a factor. Right now, Tennessee's a 10.5-point favorite. I'm really I'm really nervous about this. But I do feel like Tennessee does have the better team. Even though in years past when that has been said. That doesn't mean they've always won. But I will take my team here to win this game against Florida. And really start to build some momentum right now. Ranked 11th in the country right now. This could really help them long term. They got a bye week after this week so they can get Cedric Tillman rested up if he doesn't play against Florida as they head to Baton Rouge the next week and got match matchup with Alabama coming to Knoxville. And if Tennessee is still undefeated by that game, they go to Baton Rouge and beat LSU. Boy, oh boy, what a fun game that could be for both these teams. Uh, Notre Dame, North Carolina. Marcus Freeman ended up getting his first win last week, so congrats to him. Probably not, probably a little bit later than what fighting Irish fans would have wanted. But nonetheless, he gets that first win to his record. And they are going on the road this week. They are going to Chapel Hill and facing a North Carolina team that is a really high-scoring offense. They can put up A lot of points right now. 51 points per game in the country right now. Just absurd. Drake May, the quarterback, is looking really good for the Tar Heels. And North Carolina, they are looking to start 4-0 if they beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame right now 1-2. You're really wondering if they can stop this North Carolina offense that's high powered offense and right now North Carolina is a a small favorite to win this game I think I will take the Tar Heels sending Notre Dame down to 1-3 and and causing even more pandemonium up in South Bend Oregon ranked 15th now facing Washington State who a couple weeks ago Knocked off Wisconsin at Madison. So they haven't done too bad for themselves. But Oregon is going to be on the road for this game at Washington State. And again, I think maybe we kind of looked at that Oregon-Georgia game is like, oh, Oregon sucks. Like, no, I think Georgia's probably just that good. That Oregon's all right. It's just, compared to Georgia, they're going to look like an FCS team. So, I'll take the Ducks here to get a Pac-12 victory under their belt. They get their first one of the season under their belt. And uh, go to Washington State and get the victory. So, moving on to another ranked SEC matchup. Number 10, Arkansas at 23, Texas A&M taking place in Jerry World as per usual customs between these two teams. A&M got it when it really needed. Last week, Arkansas had a little bit of scare there with Missouri State. (laughs) There's a little bit of a concern there, but Arkansas made it out alive to move to 3-0. And right now, Texas A&M is favored, but I'm not going to pick them. What we've seen of A&M's offense, is that going to be enough to keep up with Arkansas's offense, who are putting nearly 38 points per game up on the scoreboard, have averaged over five, uh, pretty much approximately 500 yards of total offense. And right now, Arkansas's defense, they're allowing over 420 yards of offense. But with AM and their offense, I i don't know if they can do enough to counterattack Arkansas's offense. So, give me the Razorbacks. I think they go 4-0 here. And I think they start off, s c c play, 2-0. So, give me Arkansas to go win at Jerry World. It's what Jerry would want anyway. So, Jerry would would be happy about this. So, give me the Razorbacks. Wisconsin, speaking of them, going to Columbus. Facing Ohio State this weekend. And I expect Ohio State to win. Plain and simple. Uh, I think Ohio State is clearly here the better team. And I'm curious what this line is going to be. And uh, 19 points favored for... Ohio State. Now Wisconsin has put up thirty-eight, thirty-nine points up on the scoreboard per game so far, uh, two and one, but uh, they haven't seen anything like Ohio State's offense. So I will take the Buckeyes to beat Wisconsin, beat a Big Ten foe, and start off start off well there. Then we got Utah. Ranked uh, ranked 13th at Arizona State. And notice I didn't say Herm State. Well, it's a sad day for this podcast. One of the core foundations that this podcast, since the Cape Days, has been built on is Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Officially no more with Herm being let go after their recent loss, I believe it was to Eastern Michigan. And so now Herm is done, and if I remember right, that 2017 coaching carousel, all the way back when to when it was me, Peter, and Matt at Cape doing these pods, but think Herm was the last coach standing out of that coaching carousel. He was the only one still there every coach since then has been fired or has found a new job from that coaching search I think Chris Ball was somebody that was one of those guys of course he's at Miami now he was hired at Oregon at the time but Herm was the last one standing and Arizona State they're no longer Herm State so I don't feel any regret about picking Utah here and utah going on the road and knocking off the sun devils so i hate it it's a sad sad day for this podcast because now we can't talk about herm edwards at arizona state anymore just gonna bring up a lot of pain but a lot of fun memories but i'll take utah and finally another pac 12 matchup stanford at washington washington you know, this could be a game, but they don't watch out, Stanford could potentially go to Washington and beat them and have that hangover from last week's big game. But right now, Washington is looking really good. Michael Penix Jr., looking like a different quarterback than he did at Indiana. So give me the Huskies here to beat Stanford. And that... It's college football, everybody. So now, let's move on to Matt's favorite of of the two. And let's go to the NFL. And let's talk week two, which was kicked off by Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime. With the Chargers going on the road to Kansas City. And let me tell you what, the Chargers... Probably should have won this game. But, a couple things to keep in mind here. In that game, there's a big crucial play where Herbert, they're knocking on the door, throws a pick to a 7th round corner, Jalen Watson returns it for a pick 6. That's just the game in Kansas City's favor. And then also, Kansas City kept on getting to Herbert, eventually got to him where it looked like there's a couple different things going on with him, particularly around his chest area with the ribs and all that stuff. So he was banged up. And I don't think there's anybody out there that is not going to doubt how tough Justin Herbert is. He got to commend him for what he did because he looked like he was in pain. Or like it looked like there's a couple plays where like he just couldn't do anything. And here's one play where he just zips a ball in, touchdown. But the Chiefs they end up winning this game twenty-seven to twenty-four. So they continue their reign on the AFC West. And right now, if you look at them. AFC West Chiefs up top. Chargers here one and one. Broncos one and one. They haven't looked all that well. Raiders 0 2. Maybe we're all those moves for not. It's very possible. Uh, but looking at some of these other games that we picked up, uh, one game we didn't pick that was kind of crazy was to see the Browns blow a pretty big lead late against the Jets. Not something you expect, and Joe Flacco <laughs> looking like the Joe Flacco of about what ten or maybe nine, eight, seven years ago, looking like his old self there as the Jets win that one. Detroit having one of the best offenses in the league. Not something that I don't think we could have foreseen. Uh, but looking at some of the other games. Buccaneers at Saints. Not really a lot of excitement here until the fireworks between Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, it seems like it's almost an annual thing where those guys are getting into a skirmish. And Mike Evans, he suspended a game for this. You do wonder if Brady instigated this whole thing. But nonetheless, that was the kind of thing that got things started for the Bucs and really put some points up on the board as it was a 3-3 game at the time as the Bucks score 17 points to make it 20. New Orleans scores 7. Jameis Winston was playing with 4 back fractures I don't know how you could play with 4 back fractures. It just doesn't make any sense but nonetheless he played but the Saints could not win the game. Bucks win 20-10 Next up, I went with the Steelers on this one, playing the Patriots. And with the Patriots, we've all been kind of like snickering and laughing at them. Like, what are they doing? What's Belichick doing? He's putting Matt Patricia in charge of offensive play calls. What's going on here? But New England goes on the road and beats Pittsburgh 17-14. Trubisky doesn't look all that great. Najee Harris under 50 yards of, of rushing Mac Jones doesn't look that bad uh, Nelson Aguilar had himself a game with six catches 110 yards and a touchdown and the Patriots end up pulling off a late drive there from the Steelers to win this one 17 to, to 14 so guess what Prop, props to the Patriots uh, next up Got this game wrong too. I don't know if we saw this one coming. Colts at Jaguars. In which the Jaguars shut out the Indianapolis Colts. Matt Ryan, couple of dumb decisions here. Jonathan Taylor, not a good game from him. It also didn't help he didn't have Michael Pittman in this game for Indy. And Indianapolis receiver group was already decimated as is. So that didn't help the situation. But Jacksonville, Shuts out the Colts 24-0. Trevor Lawrence, not a bad day at the office, along with James Robinson. So Jacksonville sitting there at 1-1. One and, one. and Indy looking at a record of 0-1-1. One, one with that uh with that tie from week one. <laughs> Next up, Dolphins at Ravens, an explosive game. And I'll ask you guys this a little bit later on. Once we get to one of the Monday night games, I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about, but a close game here from Dolphins at Ravens. Ravens probably should end up winning this game. And the Dolphins mount a late game comeback to beat the Ravens at Baltimore. 42-38 to 38, scoring 28 points. In that fourth quarter, what happened to the Ravens' defense? Tua, 36 of 50, 469 yards passing. Did have two picks, but six touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, 11 catches, 190 yards, and two touchdowns. He wasn't the only Dolphins receiver that had a day. Jalen Waddell, 11 catches himself, 171 yards, two touchdowns. They could not stop those two at all. Nobody on that Ravens defense could have stopped those two. Lamar Jackson had himself a pretty good day. 21 of 29, 318, three touchdowns, nine carries, 119 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. So four touchdowns from Lamar. Rashad Bateman had himself a day too. And yet the Ravens there at the end of the game, Cannot stop Jalen Waddell from catching that pass to give the Dolphins a lead and move on to 2-0. And this was inexplicable defense there from the Ravens there in that fourth quarter. And I guess give Tua his props. He he played a well of a game in this one. And uh, the Dolphins, they are now 2-0 here. as uh, They got a fun game here with the Bills next week. Next up on the slate that we picked, Bengals at Cowboys. I think we all felt pretty good about the Bengals bouncing back, with the Cowboys not having Dak and Cooper Rush coming in, CD Zeke and Tony Pollard, and by you know with the Bengals, them getting Higgins back in this game, looking for a bounce back win after really tragic loss for them in overtime against the Steelers to bounce back now the Bengals end up losing this one on a late game field goal as the Cowboys they win this one and they win this one to 17 in in regulation, they drove down the field. Cooper Rush worked some late game magic, looked like Tom Brady for a second, and got the Cowboys down in position to kick a field goal to win it, and that's what they did. So the Cowboys, they're one and one, and the Bengals, surprising, zero and two. I don't think that was what anybody thought when they looked at the schedule that Cincinnati was going to go zero and two to start out the season. But the season is still young, but records do show. When you are when you start out 0-2, making the playoffs, not good. Chances aren't very good. Cardinals at Raiders. Exciting finish here in this one. It looked like the Raiders were going to win this one, and they probably should have. But in the fourth quarter, again, talking about fourth quarter meltdowns, the Raiders let the Cardinals score 16 points. In the fourth quarter, to send this game to overtime. And there's a lot of questions about that two-point conversion there to send it to overtime, but they convert it. Kyler works his magic there late. And then in overtime, Raiders get the ball. They fumble it. Byron Murphy houses it, clinches the Cardinals of their first victory of 2022-29-29. The 23, sending the Raiders home with a loss and starting off 0-2. So just a tragic ending for the Raiders. Again, another team putting up another poor fourth quarter performance on the board. Green Bay at Chicago, against Chicago. You know, give props to Chicago. They were in this one for a little bit longer than I thought they would be. Justin Fields didn't look bad. That Bears defense didn't look bad. Montgomery had some really good runs in this one for Chicago. Was probably, again, a team that had a lot of young pieces. They're still trying, trying to figure themselves out under a new coach, under a new regime. And they were winning at the end of the first quarter, but the Packers took the game from there on out, scoring 21 points in that second quarter, and winning the game 27-10. Rodgers, Soleday, Aaron Jones, As far as fantasy, that man single-handedly got me back into my fantasy matchup that I ended up winning. I still don't know how I ended up doing it, but it was all thanks to him. 15 carries, 132 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. I believe he also had a catching touchdown as well. But talk about a day for him. And so the Packers, they end up winning this one. And then the Monday night games. I'll get to the one that uh, involving my team here, and I'll pose that question I mentioned earlier here uh, after we talk about that one. Vikings at Eagles. I went with the Vikings on this one. Maybe that's a little bit too much trust in Primetime Kirk. I kind of forgot about that last week when I made the pick. That Primetime Kirk was still a thing. And I guess maybe we can dub... Jalen Hurts, primetime Jalen Hurts. I know it doesn't have the same ring to it, but uh, have yourself a game. 26-31, 333 yards, one touchdown, one pick. But he looks really good in this game. And he ran the ball pretty well too. 11 carries, 57 yards, two touchdowns on the board. He looks really good. And Kirk just looked like good old primetime Kirk right there. And the Eagles, they're looking like one of the best teams out there right now in this early season, 24-7. to seven. Now let's get to the game involving my team, which this was just a debacle. It was a game I switched off pretty much in the third quarter. It was like, yeah, I'm only sticking around to watch Malik Willis get some reps. <laughs> Like, I'm not here to see anything else except Tim get some reps. I've seen what I need to see. We're going to lose this game. I just want to see our rookie quarterback who may not get to see a lot of snaps the whole season get some here against this Buffalo defense. As the Bills, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen torch the Titans here 41-7. to And it might be time to start worrying here in Tennessee. Uh, Derek Henry not looking like himself. Tannehill, just not a good game. Play calling is still absurd here. Secondary looks like it's a mess. Uh, Kyle Fields probably shouldn't be on punt return anymore. Traylon Burks has looked decent so far in his first two games when he's gotten open. But uh, yeah, that game was a, uh, <laughs> it was a disaster. So right now things are not looking good for the Titans. And let me get to my question. Uh, Rebecca, uh, who was the only one in the group chat that was worried about me <laughs> and asking if I was okay. Uh, Matt had posed the question, and she asked the group chat this, and I think asked specifically me this, was about you know blowouts and close games. So, of course, the Ravens had their close game and lost on a last-second touchdown. And the Titans, of course, got their butts handed to them on Monday Night Football. So, Matt posed an important question that she put in the group chat. Would you rather lose in a blowout, like the Titans did, or how the Ravens lost? I might put that in the Spotify polls right there. So, if you listen to this on Spotify, and I might put this out there as a Twitter poll along with When I put the pod out, would you rather lose in a blowout, like what happened with the Titans and the Bills, or would you just have what happened to the Ravens on Sunday, where the Dolphins come back and they score a last-second touchdown to win, and there's basically no time left on the clock to do anything? So I'm gonna put that as a poll on Spotify and on Twitter. So if you would go vote on that when I put, whenever I put the pod. Out. Uh it's a very interesting question. I said, you know, in experiencing both sides of that, I would rather take the the blowout. I I know it's probably easy to say when it just happened, but having the blowout happen, I said essentially, you know, it's just rip the band-aid off quick and don't have to worry about it and be frustrated about it rather than losing like that in the last seconds where it's just you know it's very painful you're frustrated there's not a lot of time left to do anything and it just happened like that so that's what I said so interesting poll here so be sure to go vote in that poll whenever I put the pot out but uh that is week number two in the books everybody for the NFL so let's take a look at week three as we got our first game of the of week three here tonight, on Amazon Prime, and we got an AFC North matchup for you, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. You no, know, I probably should have asked Peter how he feels about this game, for Pittsburgh, in uh, it, with the first two weeks of the season, in the books, and how he feels about the Steelers and how they feel he feels about going to week three against Cleveland here. Uh, but I'm curious, who, who's the favorite in this game, because I know in our Pick'em League, Cleveland is favored, and right now, Cleveland is favored right now, around four points here, but that should tell you that this should be a close game, probably an ugly game, an AFC North type of game, but I made my pick in my Pick'em League, and I went with the Browns, so that's what I'm going to go with here, I don't have too much confidence in this game. As far as picking the Browns, but I'm gonna go and pick them anyway. Raiders at Titans. Oh boy. I I seriously might end up picking the Raiders here in this game. Because right now you don't know if Taylor Lewan's good to go. The injury was thought to be a little bit more serious, but now it might not be that serious at all. But with a rookie right tackle. A sorry left tackle as a backup. That should be enough for Max Crosby and Chandler Jones to feast on that offensive line and cause havoc for Tannehill and be able to stop Henry. And so I'm actually going with the Raiders here. It's a battle of 0-2 teams. I mean, at this point, I would take a tie. It's not a loss. (laughs) But I'm going to take the Raiders here. I think that defensive line is looking at that offensive line matchup. I think they're really excited about that and be able to go make some plays, maybe for some turnovers there. So I'll go with the Raiders. Puts my team in a hole, but the way it's been the last couple of weeks hasn't looked good. Chiefs and Colts. Uh, I think the AFC South takes another loss here. Chiefs have looked pretty good here through two weeks. Colts. Obviously haven't, uh, hopefully for my fantasy team's sake, they get Michael Pittman back this week, and maybe that can make Matt Ryan's life a little bit easier out there, but I still think it's going to be minimal impact, and I think I'm going to have the Chiefs win this one, and I would like to make a point here, the record for me in the first two weeks is 510 and 20. Have we gotten to the point now where the NFL might be just as unpredictable as college football is? Maybe. Actually, college football so far has been pretty unpredictable so far. And the NFL hasn't. Maybe a little bit of a changing of the guard here in the first weeks of both college and pro. But, yeah, it's been weird. Uh, Bills at Dolphins. This should probably probably be the game of the week right here. Two really exciting teams in the same division. Both 2-0. Dolphins coming off that huge comeback win last week. Buffalo looking like the best team in the league right now. And Buffalo is favored in this game by 5.5 on the road. But I do think this is going to be a fun, exciting game. I'm going to go with the Bills here. So this, this honestly, in my pick-em league, might be a one Well, a one on the confidence scale. But I'm going to go with the Bills here. This should be an exciting game. This this is definitely the game of the week. The game I think that everybody's going to be looking forward to and talking about. Eagles at Commanders. NFC East matchup here. Eagles right now are looking pretty good. On both sides of the football. Jalen Hurts is looking really good right now. And leading this team. A.J. Brown is looking good for them, which kind of hurts a little bit. And they are six and a half point favorites on the road at Washington. And Jalen's looked really good. Even though he's only thrown one touchdown pass, he's looked pretty good otherwise. So I'm going to go with the Eagles here. Go and beat the Commanders. I think so far, I have taken the row teams in every game besides Browns and Steelers. So that might be a sign. Saints at Panthers. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll have to see if Jameis is going to be good to go this week with those four back fractures. Again, how can you play with that? It's, it seems absurd, but guess not. Right now, the Saints are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. And right now, you know, I don't see any harm in doing this. I guess I'll roll with, hmm, do I want to? You know what? (sighs) I'm going to be safe. I'm going to go with the Saints here. I'm going to go with them. I'm going to continue this trend of taking the road team. So this next game... Uh I'm probably gonna be picking the row team as well. Uh and I might be doing that for Buccaneers and Packers. But Rams right now, they're one on one. Stafford has looked really rough here early on. But I still think I'll take the Rams to go to Arizona and win this one. Right now the Rams are favored to win this game. But I'll go with the Rams. This might be a low confidence too in the pick 'em league, but I'll go with the Rams. Packers at Buccaneers. No Mike Evans this game. So that might make things a little bit more easier for the Packers to go into Tampa and win this game. You know, they end up losing to Tampa last year in the regular season. Tampa, they're 2-0. Packers are 1-1. Tampa is only favored by one at home. And you know what? I think I'll go Green Bay here. I think I'll go Green Bay here. Might be low confidence on, on the scale here, but I think I'll go with Green Bay here. Next one up 49ers at Broncos. Broncos have struggled, to say the least, in the first two games against teams they should have probably easily beaten in both the Seahawks and the Texans. The Texans game was not an easy victory by any means for Denver. Jerry Judy leaving early in that game. Then help matters for Denver. And 49ers. Trey Lance. He's done for the year. So now it's Jimmy G time. And Jimmy G is probably glad he stayed. And didn't get traded. And right now this is... 49ers are barely favored. I think I will go with the Broncos here. I don't feel necessarily great about it. But I'll take them here. And I'd say they'll probably win by a touchdown or at least three points. So give me Denver here to win at home on Sunday Night Football. And then the Cowboys at Giants. And, AFC, and NFC... East matchup, Giants 2-0. and Who had that on the bingo card for the early part of this season? On Monday Night Football, and of course, you got the Manning cast coming, coming back for this game. So this should be fun to watch with Eli and Peyton. And right now, the Giants are favored. You go and win this game, and they're seeking their first and 3-0 start since 2009 so it's been well over a decade since they've had this type of start. they usually start out really slow but not this year Saquon has looked pretty good Daniel Jones has looked really solid here and the Cowboys coming off a big win over the Bengals I don't know how much of that Cooper Rush magic we'll see on this Monday night game so you know what I think I'm going to go with the Giants here and it might not be a pick I feel good about but I'm going to roll with it anyway so I'm going with the Giants there so that is week three that's week three my picks for all the for some of the games in week three and uh hopefully we'll get a better record this week than uh we did the first two weeks and not go five and ten and uh in week three. So that is the NFL in the books. That is this pod in the books. So thank you guys for tuning in as always. Be sure to go check us out wherever you guys get your podcast and uh whichever platform you prefer, Spotify. If you're on Spotify if that's your preference, the polls gonna be on there. And if you don't, don't worry. I'm gonna put it out on Twitter and uh see what you guys prefer. Would you rather lose and blowout fashion or would you rather lose in a close loss at the end of the game on a buzzer beater so to say so be on the lookout for that on uh, on spotify and uh, on twitter be sure y'all check us out at 573 pods the they'll be out there with the pod links soon so thank you guys for tuning in as always hopefully you guys have a good rest of your thursday hopefully you guys have a good weekend and we'll talk to you next time